We are getting close to the end of our sermon series, Seeking, where we ask faith questions of each other. And some of those questions come straight from the text. Some of those questions come from our own hearts. Our question today is, where are you headed? We're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. This is found on page 802 in your pew Bible if you'd like to follow along. But before we read that, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Matthew chapter 21, beginning with the first verse. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So we did have a wonderful Easter workshop yesterday. Had a lot more people there than I thought we were, in fact. And by the way, you all provided some 1,200 Easter eggs. Let it be known that when I ask for Easter eggs, you all step up. (laughs) We had a wonderful time. Lots of children there, lots of, of parents as well. And again, I'm thankful for all the volunteers who helped out. But you might be surprised to hear that a couple of weeks ago we thought about uh, rescheduling the Easter workshop and the Easter egg hunt. That's because for a few brief moments we looked at our community calendar and realized we had scheduled it the same weekend as springtime Tallahassee. In fact, not only it's the same weekend, but the Easter egg hunt is, was the exact same time as the springtime Tallahassee parade. And we were worried that our families were going to have a hard time deciding which to go to. Were they going to go to the parade or were they going to go to the Easter egg hunt? Fortunately, we did not have a problem. We had plenty of people here. But that happens to us often when we're trying to schedule things here at the church. We have to look at what's going on around us in the community so, because we know that our schedules sometimes overlap. 
When we're planning the marriage retreat that's coming up in the fall, we have to look at the Florida State home football schedule because we know if we plan it on the same weekend that they plan it, we may not have good attendance. Or at times during springtime, when it is spring, day, spring break, we have learned not to plan a huge event for our youth group. Otherwise, Erin will be planning a huge event for herself. That happens in our personal lives as well. In our over-programmed and our over-scheduled world, we have things all the time that bounce up against each other, that overlap each other, and we have to decide all the time which way we will go. We have to make choices about what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. There are times when I'm sure you have had to choose between a, a business dinner or dinner at home with your family. You've had to choose between PTA meetings or coming to Wednesday Night Alive. You've had to choose between your children's soccer games and, well, your children's baseball games. They're all scheduled at the same time. But just to comfort you a little bit, the same thing happens to me. In fact, about a month ago, believe it or not, Julianne and I were sitting down looking at our calendar. We were trying to plan dinner with some friends of ours that we've been trying to plan dinner for quite some time. We were looking at the calendar, and I finally pointed. I said, look, April 6th, that day's free. Why don't we call them and invite them to come to dinner on April 6th, Thursday, April 6th? Julianne paused, and then she said, I'm going to give you a minute to think about that. <laughs> I realized that April 6th is Monday, Thursday. I have an appointment that night, and you do too. It happens to the best of us. In our overprogrammed, overscheduled world, we have to decide and choose which way we're headed. But I have learned recently that that's not just a 21st century problem. In fact, it was also a first century problem. John Dominic Crossan and Marcus Bjorg wrote a book years ago called The Last Week. It was all about the last week in Jesus' life. And when the first chapter comes and they talk about Palm Sunday, they said that there were, in fact, two parades scheduled that day at the exact same time. And the people of Jerusalem had to decide which parade they were going to go to. Imagine, if you will, just imagine with me for a minute. There's a, a couple named Priscilla and Paul. They wake up on that Sunday morning, and Paul's gone out to get the newspaper. He comes back in, and he says, Priscilla, Priscilla, guess what? what the Johnsons next door have just invited us to come to the parade with them. It's going to be a wonderful parade. They, they went to it last year, and they told me all about it. They've got a place right outside the gate that they can see everything, and they want us to come and stand right there with them. They said it was amazing last year. They said they saw at least 200 horses, and, and not the flea bag horses that we have around here, but these big, beautiful, powerful horses that you only see in Rome. And not only that, but you will not believe the armor and the shields and the swords that they have. They're, they're so shiny, they'll blind your eyes when you look at them. And last but not least... Right at the end of the parade, all at the very end of the parade, it's Pontius Pilate, Governor Pilate. He's riding on his horse. He's riding in his chariot, and he's waving to all the children saying, you better be good for goodness sake. I thought you might catch that. <laughs> we want to go see this parade. What should I tell the Johnsons? Priscilla pauses and says, I'm going to give you a minute to think about that. If you don't 
remember, I asked you yesterday, I told you yesterday, we had another parade we're going to. It's a parade on the north side of town. Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth is coming into town. Everybody's talking about it. All of our friends are talking about it. We committed to going and going and being a part of that parade. In fact, while you were out getting the paper, you were supposed to grab some palm fronds and bring them back in. Paul pauses and says, well, which parade are we going to go to? Which way are we headed? Crossan and Borg say that that's the question that those first century Jews had to answer. Which way are we going to go? Are we going to go and cheer on Pilate as he comes into the city? Or are we going to go and wave our palms and cry out to Jesus? And that's the same question that we as 21st century Christians have to answer. But if you look around the world around us, I dare say we've made our choice. We are cheering Pilate on. We are looking at the world around us and you see what we have chosen. We have chosen a world where the only way we can change the world is through riches and power and might. The only way we can change the world is if we cheer on people like Pilate. Pilate who know that the way to change the world is to control the world. Use everything at our disposal to pound down our enemies and be the biggest and the strongest and the best. It's the same thing for our home lives. We've decided that the best way to have a good life in our homes is to have more, to have more, to have more. As much money as we can reach, as much money as we can gather so that we can be the happy people we think we're supposed to be. Barbara Brown Taylor says it like this. She says, Jesus has disciples, Rome has soldiers. Jesus serves, Rome rules. Jesus prays for his enemy, Rome kills their enemies. In contrast between a fox and a chicken, who are you going to bet on? I would say the world has bet on Pilate. And we are all in. But here's the thing. There's a wonderful Baptist preacher years ago named Bill Self who's from Atlanta and he shared in one of his sermons that there's one more difference between Pilate and Jesus. One more difference and he said that difference might just make a difference. The difference is the view from the top from the back of that donkey. He said the difference is the view, the difference in the view between Pilate and Jesus, what Pilate sees when he looks out across the world and what Jesus sees when he looks out across the world. You see, what Pilate sees when he's riding into town is a group of people that he must conquer, that he must dominate, and he must dominate them again and again to maintain, maintain control. Pilate sees people that he, he can abuse and use for his own power and his own authority. Contrast that to Jesus. Jesus riding on that humble donkey, that borrowed donkey. He looks out at people who are crying out for help. Crying out, heal us, liberate us, save us. Jesus looks out with eyes of love and compassion. He sees all of us in this world. He doesn't see people He's there to dominate. He sees people there He's here to serve, to offer grace and mercy and compassion to. 
If we could somehow see ourselves and see the world through the eyes of Jesus and not just the eyes of Pilate, then maybe all of us would pick up our palm fronds and run to the Jesus parade and cheer him on. There's an old parable I think I've shared with you before. It's a parable that is passed around churches when they're searching for a new pastor. It's a story of a search committee who was searching for their pastor, and they had narrowed it down to two candidates, but they couldn't decide between the two. And so finally, in their last interview process, they decided to ask them both the same question. They looked at the, the first candidate and pointed to some stranger out on the road, and he said, you see that stranger out on the road? I know you don't know that person, but using your theology, tell us who that person is. The first candidate replied, well, whether that person knows it or not, that person is a sinner and needs to be redeemed. And my job as a minister is to remind them of that until they realize it themselves. The second candidate, they asked the same question, tell us who that stranger is. And the second candidate said, whether that person realizes it or not, that person is loved. Loved as a child of God. And it is my job to remind them of that until they realize it for themselves. That's the difference between a Pilate view and a Jesus view. Jesus looks at the world, looks at all of us and says, you are loved, you are valued. If we could see each other, see ourselves through Jesus' eyes, I think we would all pick up our pawns and run and cheer for Jesus. But as Christians, we know that. No, for Christians, the hard part is not knowing that Jesus loves us. The hard part is that Jesus asks us to put down our palm fronds and join the parade. Jesus asks us to get in line and follow him. And we don't want to do that because we know where Jesus is going. We don't want to do that because we know over the next few days, Jesus is about to be arrested, persecuted, tortured. He's going to the cross. And that's the absolute last place that we as human beings want to go. We don't want to sacrifice ourselves. We don't want to face pain and suffering. Even though we know Jesus did. There's an old story, a little anecdote that Fleming Rutledge tells about a friend of hers. She says, she calls her name Sally, but she said Sally moved to her town. And, and when she came to town, she was looking for a church. But for whatever reason, Sally couldn't find a church that she wanted to go to. And so she came to Fleming Rutledge and said, I just can't find a good church in this town. I went to that church and their choir's not good. I went to the other church and, and their, their preacher's not any good. I just don't know where I'm going to go. Fleming Rutledge said, well, you went to that big downtown church at your last town. Why don't you go to the big downtown church here? And Sally replied, no, I can't go there. To sit in that pew and look up at that big, awful, stark cross with Jesus hanging on it every day? I could never worship in a place like that. We want to avoid the cross as much as we can. We want to avoid pain and suffering and self-sacrifice. And even though we know Jesus loves us, we will follow any other leader and any other parade that promises us otherwise. And there are all sorts of parades that we've tried to follow. 
Just look around the world. There are all sorts of options. Just look in our Bible. There are all sorts of options. Out of Rome, there's the disciples, there's the Pharisees, there's the Sadducees. We can all march to the beat of their drummer. But I don't know about you, I look at the world around us and I don't like where it's headed. But maybe this Palm Sunday, maybe this Palm Sunday, we try the Jesus way. I don't know that we've ever tried it before, but maybe this Palm Sunday, instead of trying it all those other ways, maybe this Palm Sunday we try it the Jesus way. Maybe that's the way that we can actually change our world. Let me give you an example. In a world full of hungry people, we tried it the disciples' way. The disciples at the feeding of the 5,000 looked at all those people and said, Jesus, we can't feed all these people. Send them home to fend for themselves. But what if this year we tried it the Jesus way? The Jesus way, Jesus who said, no, sit them down, gather up food, you feed them. When it comes to peace around the world, we've tried it the Roman way. Rome who brags about the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, that peace that comes from bullying others and bashing them down and proving we're the strongest. What if this year, this Palm Sunday, we tried it the the Jesus way. Jesus who said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. When it comes to violence in our communities, we've tried it the disciples way. You remember the story, the disciples, when they came into Jerusalem, they brought swords with them. They went to the Mount of Olives. They went to the Garden of Gethsemane and tried to use those swords to protect Jesus from being arrested. It didn't work. We've tried that way. What if we tried the Jesus way? Jesus who was armed with the Holy Spirit. Jesus who was armed with His faith. Jesus who was armed with Scripture. Jesus who was armed with compassion. Jesus who was armed with the truth. When it comes to mental health in our community, we've tried it the Pharisees' way. The Pharisees who when someone was possessed by a demon, they ostracized them, sent them out, put them in chains, said, stay away from those people. You're, they're unclean. You'll be unclean too. What if this year we tried it the Jesus way? Jesus who jumped over all of those boundaries, went to those people who were hurting, healed them and reminded them, in fact, you are not alone. And when it comes to our own enemies, our personal enemies, those people that we despise every day, we've tried, like those Pharisees and those Sadducees, we've belittled other people, we have tried to beat other people up, we have tried to bully other people, we have tried to blackmail other people, just like those Pharisees and Sadducees did to Jesus. Maybe this year, we tried the Jesus way. Jesus who prepared a table for people who would doubt Him, people who would betray Him, people who would abandon Him. Jesus who hanging on the cross said, forgive them. Maybe this year we try it the Jesus way. Don't get me wrong, I'm scared too. I know we could get hurt. I know we're heading the way that Jesus went. It's a lot easier to think of going to all those other ways, all those other people who are promising us, if you follow me, you won't have to go to the cross. 
But I need to tell you something. They're lying. Jesus is the one who tells us the truth. Jesus promises us, put down your palm fronds and follow me. And yes, we're heading to the cross. But I promise you, that's not how the story ends. That's not how the story ends. To the glory of God. Amen.